Well, we close out our series entitled Stand Strong Today. It's our uh, last week in the book of Daniel. And if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to take them. The scripture is going to be on the screens if you don't. We're not going to start in Daniel today. We're going to actually start in the book of Matthew. So go to the New Testament book of Matthew is where we're going to start. And uh, we're going to dive in to really... uh, a pretty meaty section of scripture, and so I'm, I'm kind of excited, I think. Uh, it's a little intimidating studying it this morning, but I want to go backwards before we go forwards. If you weren't here last week, what's going to happen in chapters 10 through 12, uh, we're set up by this prayer of Daniel. Daniel was a man of prayer, he was a man of commitment, and, and if you weren't here, uh, I'll just uh, wrap up the 35 minutes in this statement, and it was this, that the faithful commitment to prayer moves the heart of God. And strengthens the heart of the faithful. Daniel was a man of faithful commitment to God. And his prayer moved God's heart and it changed the nation. Uh, Anne Graham Lott said it like this about this Daniel prayer in chapter 9. The Daniel prayer is really a prayer of commitment. Uh, It's a commitment to pray until the prayer is answered. It's not easy. requires time, energy, sacrifice. It requires reading and pleading God's promises. It's motivated by a wholehearted love that's willing to suffer, repent, sacrifice, to do whatever it takes to get an answer. But whatever you have to invest to sacrifice to make the commitment, the Daniel prayer will be worth it 100 times over when heaven is moved and this nation is changed. And what I ask at the end of the sermon was that you would commit to something. First of all, that you would just commit to pray five minutes that you would just start out your day in, in prayer to God, that every day you'd just wake up and in the morning you would give thanks to God and you would just exalt him and honor him and uh, that you would acknowledge that he's God and you're not. And in that commitment to pray, the second thing was you commit to be really grateful. Uh, Daniel was a man, no matter the circumstance, was grateful. Uh, Colossians says, hey, be watchful in your prayers, but be thankful. And he was a man that was committed to just being grateful no matter what was going on around him. And it was some crazy things, as you'll see in a minute. And the last one was this. I just ask you to commit not to quit. Some of us have given up on our prayers. Some of us have stopped uh, praying for people or family members or somebody because we just, we just felt like maybe we weren't good enough. We felt maybe that, that God wasn't listening or God didn't answer. And I just want you to know from this section that uh, God really tells us to commit not to quit. And, and Daniel wasn't a quitter. He was standing strong, and he followed through to the very end. And as we come today, we're going to talk about the end, Uh, the end times. We're going to talk about really this world as we are in a battle against good and evil. And as as I watch the world, it's fascinating over the last year how many superhero movies have come out. I mean, if you just look at all the superhero movies, and, and, and lots of us love to go to the theater and, and watch them, and we love to get kind of swept away into uh, this uh, fantasy and into stories and into aliens and mutants and battles and evil and good, and at the end, one of them's victorious. But if you just look back 2017 to 2018, there was uh, Lego Man, Lego Batman, that was one. There was Logan, Spider-Man, The Homecoming. There was Thor, Justice League, Deadpool 2, The Avengers, Black Panther. I mean, that just is kind of the beginning of it, and there's more coming out. Did you know that the Black Panther... Um, grossed, listen to this, worldwide, $1,333,000,000. That's just one superhero movie. And you think, man, we want to go in and we want to see this good versus evil. And honestly, we want good to triumph in the end. And as these movies dominated the box office, you guys know what dominates the internet. 
you look and you see the evil, you see the wars, you see the battle, you see our president going to meet with the North Korean president, you see all these things happening, and then you see people um, who seem to have everything on the outside, money and success and happiness. One who was on the pursuit and asked people, a chef, and got to travel the world and asked people what made them happy. This week, they take their lives. And there's an emptiness, and there's a, there's a longing, and there's a desire, and there's something that says they're asking the question, how can I be happy? And they never found it themselves. And we see that there is this evil that prevails, and there is this what's called helplessness. And sometimes, honestly, we feel it as believers. What difference are we making, and how, how can we continue to be hope-filled in this hopeless world? And, and I, I think Daniel helps us. Uh, I, I really am kind of mad at Chris, our teaching pastor, because he's been wanting for, for years to do a series on Daniel, and we did it based upon his desire, not mine. And then he goes and has a baby, and so he hasn't even been around for these last few weeks. <clears throat> and so I get asked to preach chapters 10, 11, and 12, all right? So if you've ever read anything, 10, 11, 12, that's just massive in itself. Then it's prophecy, and then it's Daniel. And you can rest assured, I would have assigned this sermon to him. But no, I had to pinch hit in this moment and kind of just embark on this. So this is one sermon today, so good luck. Have your listening ears on. We're going to dive in, and we're going to start in Matthew because it's interesting. Even in Jesus' day, in Jesus' day, they were going, hey, when's the end going to come? How's all this stuff going to happen? As they walked away to the temple, and, and he said, all these stones are going to be turned over, and all this stuff's going to be gone, and, and, and Jesus comes, and, and they begin to ask this question. Matthew chapter 24 is where I'm at, verse 3. And it says this, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. And they said, tell us. They said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And so Jesus then begins to unfold from verse 3 on out. He says, watch out in verse 4, nobody deceives you. Be careful, for many are going to come in my name claiming I am the Messiah, but they're deceiving you. You're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. You're going to see nations rise against nations. There are going to be famines. There's going to be earthquakes. And then these are all the beginning of the birth pains, he said. And then people are going to be persecuted for my name. People are going to be taken out. There's going to be wickedness. And there's going to be deceit. And then he just says, I, I want you to stand firm, Matthew 24, 13. He says, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. And it will be a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. If you looked at everything that was mentioned here, the unique thing about our generation and the generations that were before us, the ones that were before us, there was these things that happened. But not all of them happened in one generation. We are of the generation where every one of these has happened and one is in the process of happening. Because of the internet, because of our mobile devices, right now in our generation, every tribe, every tongue, every nation will be able to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached and proclaimed, which this is my opinion. It's not fact, this is just Matthew talking, so it's not worth much, but it's my opinion that I believe we're the, in the last generation, according to scripture, that all these things are coming together, and it's saying, I don't know when it's going to be, Jesus didn't even know when it's going to be. So the people that tell you they know when it's going to be, they're nuts, and so don't listen to them. I have no clue, but I look and you see and you watch over and over again. All these things are now happening within our generation. When's the end? 
don't have a clue. But if Jesus doesn't know, and I don't know, and you don't know, I'm not going to get wrapped up when the end is. I want to get wrapped up in what I'm supposed to do till the end comes. And I think that's what Daniel talks about in chapters 10 through 12. So flip back and let's dive in. Uh, standing strong means we're trying to figure out how to live a godly life in an ungodly culture. That's where he was. That's where we are. And the six chapters of prophecy that we've been talking about over these last few weeks had some certain themes. And as they talked about the, the future, there were six major themes that, that we've kind of uncovered. And I just want to remind you of what those are. The first one is this, the, the horror of human evil that permeates our world. Uh, we talked about the announcement of a specific time of deliverance. We've talked about repentance that actually leads to deliverance. The revelation that there is a cosmic war that stands behind human conflict. That we don't wrestle against each other. We wrestle against the darkness and the powers of this world. And then there is a judgment is certain for those who resist God and oppress His people. And then the last one is this, the equally certain truth that God's people, persecuted in the present, will experience new life to the fullest in the future. So at the worst of times Israel has ever seen, what Daniel tries to betray from chapter 1 all the way to the end is there, there's a sovereign God. God's in control. Yesterday, today, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he is in control. And we saw in the worst times of Israel in Daniel chapter 1, just to refresh you, verse 1, here's how it started. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So in this circumstance that God was in control of, Nebuchadnezzar comes and takes over his city, his people, takes over his temple, and it's plundered. And from the very beginning, there is this theme of the sovereign God was in complete control and everything happened according to his watch and it passed by his desk and he allowed all of it to happen. And Daniel contenders that there is this one who is reigning and ruling over the universe and he sent his son Jesus Christ eventually. And one day he will come back to take his people, his bride, us, his church for his goal, ultimate glory and honor. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And what he says here basically is sand strong. And Daniel, we have seen, he has searched for understanding humbly. He has searched to know God in a manner as he bowed on his face and his knees and he fasted as we saw last week. And in a nutshell, Daniel hears this final vision from God in chapter 10 through 12. And God speaks to him and God meets with him. And these three chapters unfold what is about to happen in the future. You need to understand, part of this happens in Daniel's present time, and then, then it's in the future of Daniel that is to come. And then he changes gears in chapter 11, chapter 12, and he talks about the future that is still yet to come for us. So let's dive in, chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel. He starts out and he says, this message is true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message, well, it came to him in a vision. So here we are. It tells you where he's at, tells you who the king is, and there's this revelation given about a great war that is to come. So we unfold chapter 10 kind of quickly. Daniel begins to mourn, it says, for two weeks in verse 2. It says he mourns and he fasts and things just uh, for him, he kind of isolates himself with just God. We're not sure if he's doing this because of the message that he got was just so overwhelming, or he is preparing himself to be a messenger for God to people. We don't know, but all of it comes together where he sees this man dressed in white linen. It says his face looks like lightning, verses 4 through 6. 
and his eyes were ablaze, and he had a, a voice like James Earl Jones, and so all of a sudden, this giant voice just comes, man, it speaks to him, and, and he's there, and it says he's, he's kind of taken over, he's pushed back. Commentators have said some might be Jesus, it might be an angel, it might be the archangel Michael, we're not sure exactly who this presence is and given this vision, but we know Daniel was overwhelmed. He had a bunch of people that were hanging out with him. They didn't see what Daniel saw, but the crazy thing was they were scared and terrified half to death. And it says everybody fled in verse 7, and they took off running, they were overwhelmed. And then a hand reached down and touched Daniel, and Daniel trembled, and it says he fell on his face and his knees in verse 10. And the voice said to Daniel, how would you like to hear this? <laughs> you are highly esteemed. <sighs> Get up, Daniel. I'm going to speak to you. Daniel stood up, and I don't know, man. He was trembling, the text tells us. And verse 12 says this. Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. I think some of you might want to underline that. Your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. Can I just remind you that uh, for those of you who have prayed and cried out to God, if you're seeking him with all your heart, that text tells us that, that he heard you. How awesome is that, that the God of the universe heard you? Maybe he hasn't answered you. Maybe he hasn't answered you like you wanted, but it says God heard heard him. One of the greatest privileges I have in this job is to pray with people. Sometimes I pray with them in the deepest and hardest moments. Sometimes I get to pray over them before they're getting married and, and some of the most joyous occasions. Sometimes I just get to, to pray with families, and, and it's awesome. And this week, I've got to pray with a few people that were just, uh, it was heavy. And I had just read this scripture when I made a call to somebody that texted me and said, I need you to pray right now. And, 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 I, and I had said, hey, just let me know where you are right now. Listen to what God said to Daniel, and I think he says it to you. And I said that God heard your prayers. He's received them, and he's heard them, and he's going to be with you. And how awesome it was just to read that, and then to assure this person, and then to get to pray with them. I just need to remind you this morning, God hears your prayers. And don't give up. And he comes, and he says, Daniel, in your response, you're trying to gain understanding. You've humbly come before me. I hear you. And after that, he begins to unfold some things to him. He talked about the Persian king that was going to resist him for 21 days. Same amount of time he was in mourning for these three weeks. And he's going to tell about this. Uh, he was going to be detained by the king, and Michael, one of the top angels, was going to come and help him. And in verse 14, he says, now I've come to you. I want to explain some more what's going to happen to your people in the future. For the vision concerns a time yet to come. And then he begins to unfold at the end of chapter 10 and on into chapter 11, it says Daniel in verse 15 of chapter 10, when all of this came, he was knocked off his feet again. It was like he was blown away by this presence. He was overcome, he said, with anguish because of what was probably about ready to come for his people. But then he was given strength because his strength was gone and it was stripped away, it said, in 16 and 17. And then it says Michael the archangel touched him. <laughs> And gave him strength, and he said, stand up. Once again, Daniel, you're highly esteemed. Can I remind you of who you are? Stand up. Be strong. I've come to your cause now, and I'm here to fight with you. And I'm going to go up against the king of Persia and all the other things that come. They will not succeed. I'm going to tell you, all hell's about ready to break loose, Daniel. But God's in control, and everything's going to be okay. And it says more kings will arise, and things will get crazy. And then we come to the narrative of chapter 11. 
And this is an awesome chapter. And I was reading, and a couple commentators just said this, never preach a sermon on chapter 11. <laughs> and I said, Chris, I'm just going to kill you. But chapter 11, it said it's a Bible study. It said there is no possible way you could ever preach a sermon on chapter 11. So guess what? I'm not going to try, but here's what you need to do. Read it. You'll be confused as heck, but let me tell you at the end kind of what happens, and there's this time period of 323 to 175 BC, and it's this future time of things that are going to happen in Daniel's lifespan and then beyond, and at the end of chapter 11, it begins to really get interesting as he talks about the future king that's going to come, this one called the Antichrist, and so as we look at that, we want to see at the very end, here's what you need to know. Political kingdoms rise and fall. Political kingdoms have some victories, but they always end in defeat, ultimately. There'll be a cycle every time in the United States. It's a four-year or eight-year cycle. Somebody new comes in. But always, earthly kings will rise and they will fall, and they will always be defeated. And Daniel unfolds that through this vision that was given to him. And there were these kings of the south and kings of the north. And there were three more kings that would rise up in Persia. Persia. And then there would be this fourth king that would come. And he's going to be richer than all the others. Verse 2 it says, his power will be gained by his wealth. And because of his wealth, he's going to stir up everything against Greece. He will arise to rule with power. And it says he's going to do what he pleases. Look at verse 4. After he has risen, his empire will then be broken up and parceled out towards the four winds of heaven. It will not go to his descendants, nor will it have the power he exercised, because his empire will be uprooted and given to others. And the kings of the north begin to decline, and the kings of the south start to become stronger and stronger. Verse 6 says they come together. After some years, they will become allies, it says. The daughter of the king of the south will go to the king of the north to make alliance, but she will not retain her power, and he and his power will not last. Verse 9, it goes on, and the king of the north will invade, but then he'll retreat, and the king of the south will go out to battle, but he'll be defeated and will not prevail. People will rise up against this vision, but they will not succeed, and leader after leader in this cycle will go up and come down. And then in verse 35, he jumps to the future, and he says, there is this appointed time that is yet to come. And he unfolds in verse 36 and tells us about this appointed time that is yet to come for us. And he says, the king will do as he pleases. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will say unheard of things against the god of gods. He will be successful when the time of wrath is completed. For what has been determined must take place. And eventually what is known as the Antichrist says will come in the final days to persecute God's people. But it's proven it over and over again, the battle will not be won by any human power. But the God of the universe will prevail and win the day. So in chapter 11, let me just sum it up. And one scholar wrote it this way. On one level, it is a continual story of wars and rumors of wars. As one human ruler and empire after another seeks to gain power by cunning or by force. Yet though the tide in the affairs of men comes in and goes out, in the end... <laughs> It accomplishes precisely nothing. The balance of power in earthly politics may shift, but it never comes to a permanent rest. On the other hand, therefore, Daniel 11 shows us the fallen world pursuing the wind and finding it elusive. What do power and politics gain for all their toil? 
And this so-called great king, the Antichrist in the end and the future, will rise and fall like everyone else. And the bottom line is, he bottoms out just like every other ruler. And 45, verse 45 says this, yet he will come to his end and no one will help him. What do politics and all those things have? It just comes to an end. And God is still God. And as Daniel says, he is still sovereign. His plan will be to vindicate the faithful and usher in his kingdom. And one day he will reign. And it will be like nothing ever seen before. And it says that those names who are written down in the book of life, it says in chapter 12 that they will be rescued. And Daniel inquires once again what the outcome of all this will be and where is all this headed. And here is the verse you just need to take home with you and rest assured in verse 13 of chapter 12. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest and then the end of the days you will rise to receive your allowed inheritance. I love it. He says, rest, rise, and receive. After all the chaos... Go your way to the end. What he's basically saying is, hey, be about my business. All this is going to end, but rest and rise and receive. And in spite of what's going on today and in the chaos in the world and what seems helpless and what seems hopeless and what looks like the rise and fall and wars and rumors of wars, God comes and he says, just be assured. If you're my follower, rest. Rise and receive your allowed inheritance. So one day I have something set apart for you that will blow your mind. And Daniel comes to this sovereign God once again and we see that the script one day will be flipped. And God is victorious. And so as we look at this, here's what we need to come away with today. That we might seem helpless, but we are never hopeless. For we know who is victorious. After all that we go through in Daniel and all that we see, we might seem helpless, but we are not hopeless, for we know who is victorious. <laughs> this week was the anniversary of what is known as D-Day, when American troops kind of stormed the beaches of Normandy and France on June 6, 1944. D-Day was a, one of the largest invasions in history. More than 160,000 Allied troops, half of them Americans, invaded Western Europe. And it was a turning point. They overwhelmed the German forces, and, and it was a turning point in World War II. D-Day was the beginning of the end for Germany. It was the beginning of the end for Hitler and, and his reign of terror. But after the invasion, and after the war really in that moment was secured, there were battles that still went on. There were people that lost their lives. There were things that still needed to be settled before the war concluded. D-Day was, was a moment that marked history, and we remember it, and we're thankful for all those people who fought for freedom. Here's what I believe as I look at D-Day. Right now, where we live, we live between the D-Day and the V-Day, the victorious day. We live in that time frame. See, the victory has been won. The war has been won. But for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, we're in the midst of the battle. And there's a battle that's going on for your soul, for my soul, for our lives. Because this is not our home. And it says that we live in a place that the enemy controls. And that until we get home to heaven, that there's going to be battle after battle after battle after battle. 
And as we believe as followers of Jesus, there's an external war that goes on, but there was an internal war that's been going on for our souls. And sometimes we feel helpless and sometimes we feel hopeless, but I just want you to know you're not alone. But I want to remind you this morning that if you're a follower of Jesus, you have victory. But you're going to be in a battle. And Paul says it like this in Colossians 2, verse 13 to 15. He says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us. And he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, listen to this, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And what he says is, in this world, you can have victory in your battle because Jesus has already nailed it to the cross and Jesus is enough. And he's won. And I understand that the battle will go on each and every day and there are battles that many of you are facing right now. But the ironic thing about this, it was not won by killing, but it was actually won by dying. That Jesus, the ultimate warrior, won the war between good and evil by dying on the cross for your sin and for mine. And it's only when we learn to die to ourselves and our sinful nature that God now through the resurrected son can live in us and we can be victorious in this life. Our hope is not in our ability to help God. Our hope is actually in the power of God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead and says that that same power lives and dwells within us. I know the battle rages and it will continue. And the battles will not be over until the end of time. But you have won. And whatever goes on on the outside, and some of you are wrapped, man, because you're watching Fox News and CNN and you're seeing all this junk and things are happening and you're just like, what is going on? I just might want to tell you, turn your TV off. Because it's messing with you. You won't do it, but do it. (laughs) Daniel 2 said this about leaders and worlds and all this. He said, he changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and lightness dwells within Second Chronicles says there is a God that is roaming the earth looking to strengthen those who are faithful to Him. We're not looking to kings and we're not looking to presidents and we're not looking to leaders and we're not looking to all the stuff that's going on. Guess what? It's going to continue to go on and it's going to escalate and it's going to get bigger and bigger. But here's what Daniel comes and he says, after all the crazy, rest. Just take a deep breath. Everybody right now, just take a deep breath. Think, you didn't do it. Do it. Nine o'clock did it really well. They were very, very good. Just rest. Bless you. And all that goes on in the midst of all this chaos, Daniel has a word for us today. Not just what's going on on the outside, but listen to how Paul puts it, because I get your battle. I'm a human being just like you. He says this, we know that the law is spiritual, Romans 7, but I'm unspiritual. I'm sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. So I found this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. Man, it is awesome, and I want to keep it. But I see another law at work in me. It's waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And then this line, what a wretched man I am. 
Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, because it is He who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Anybody relate to the wretched man? Anybody relate to the things that say, golly, I do what I don't want to do? And Paul just comes and he says, this is the battle I'm talking about. But thanks be to Jesus Christ for what he did. See, the enemy is like a long-lost friend that you don't want to get rid of. You really don't. Because for the seasons, the sin feels good. And Paul says that's a struggle because it's a struggle to die to myself and my human nature and the sin. But if I'm going to live for Christ, he says, this is what I must do. And that's why the world's not our home. And that's why the battle's pretty strong. And for those of you who have come to faith in Jesus Christ and you wonder why recently you've come to faith, you wonder why now there's just this an attack on your life and things have just become really, really difficult and some things are, are causing some frictions because there is this one called the enemy and this is kind of his home. And you're, you're on one of two teams, man. Scripture's pretty clear, so let's just lay it out. There's the home and there's the visitors, okay? It's Jesus or it's the enemy, it's not the mixed bag in the middle. It's nothing. It's one or the other. And if we're not walking with Jesus, we're on the other team. We might not even know it. We might not even say we want to be on the other team. But Scripture's clear. We are. And so when we come against the enemy, when people or family members or friends want to come to Christ or, or we want to share Christ with them and they don't know they want to come to Christ, we want to share Christ with them, you can't do it. You don't even have the words to say. You're scared half to death because you're coming against the gates of hell. You're coming against sin. You're coming against all the things that control us in this world. And it says there is only one, Jesus Christ. And I just want to tell you, press in. Because if their eternal soul and life matters, then your words and your inspiration and your prayers matter today. Don't quit. Next week, we've given you an opportunity to invite somebody who had never come to church. They'll come here a Hall of Fame football player like Jackie Slater. They won't come here me. But that's your opportunity, it's an easy end for them to hear about Christ because he's going to come and he's going to share the hope of Jesus. But you're in a battle, so don't act like it's going to be easy. It's not. But here's what you need to know. Rest. Rise. And receive. Because your inheritance is set for you if you are a child of God. This world... And where you're at might seem helpless, but we're not hopeless, for we know today who is victorious. Would you stand with me? And as you stand, for those of you who are followers of Jesus today, I want to remind you who you are. I, I want to remind you that uh, all things are not good. I don't have to tell you that. But there is a God that is good. And he's working all those things. If he can take all those kings that rise and fall, if he can take all those political parties and bring peace, if he can do whatever he's going to do, then I'm going to trust him to do what he wants to do in my life. That there is a God that loves you and sent his son Jesus to die for you. And today I want to remind you of who you are. And that there is nothing in this world that can come against you. The war has been won. Battle's not over. But at the end, we know the end of the story. So stand strong. Romans 8 says this, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. What then shall we say in response to these things? 
If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with his graciously given us all things, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? It's no one, but Christ Jesus who died. More than that, it is this one who was raised to life. And he's at the right hand of God, and he is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, our hardship, our persecution, our famine, our nakedness, our danger, our sword? No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, or demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any power, nor height, or depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He today is victorious. He today is our king. And we win. Done. Story closed. Don't be helpless. You are hopeful.